two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Early on in this series, uh, we pointed out the fact that God likens His relationship with His people to that of a husband and wife. And we find this true in both the Old and New Testaments, that in the Old Testament, the Jews were symbolized often by the prophets as being um, an unfaithful wife. And... Uh, then in the New Testament, God refers to the church. The Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. And uh, uh, so in our series, we've titled it, Our Worship, Ecstasy or Intimacy, with the idea of the church as the bride of Christ. And our worship is an expression of love for the bride to the groom. And uh, so uh, God, um, in His plan for marriage, has expressed throughout Scripture that it is to be one man and one woman for life. And um, not only uh, for our good, and for our benefit, but it is also because God wants to reveal His love for mankind through the marriage relationship. And uh, that is why that God insists on faithfulness uh, within the marriage is because it is a picture of His great love for mankind. And uh, uh, God wants us to be faithful in our worship to Him. And, and Scripture likens our unfaithfulness to Him as um, adultery. And uh, 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 any time that we become unfaithful to Jesus Christ, we are committing a spiritual adultery, whether it be... Uh, uh, in the world as far as worshiping other gods or if it even be having our own idealized idea of who God is. We're not truly worshiping uh, God as He is. And He wants us to love Him for who He is as He has revealed to us in His Word. Not just to love our own ideas about Him, but to love who He is as He has revealed Himself to us. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we find ourselves flirting with the world, just as we would not want our companions to be flirting with another person other than us. Um, it is, uh, God does not want us... You know, sometimes we think, well, it's okay if, you know, I'm entertained by the things of the world, or I, 
I, uh, there's some things of the world that attract my attention. As long as I don't just backslide and turn my back on God, I'm okay. And so we kind of want to flirt with the things of the world. And to God, that is like a spouse that is flirting with someone other than their companion. And in light of the fact of God's design for worship and God's plan for worship, I begin to think about this a couple weeks ago, the fact that as this is God's design for our worship and God's plan for us, there are some passages within the Scripture that are written pertaining to marriage that actually can apply to our spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. For example, the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Not just those, uh, it includes those, but not just those who commit adultery in the natural against their companion, but I believe God is going to judge. And I believe Scripture bears out. And we can look at this. God is going to judge those who commit spiritual adultery because the Bible tells us that He is coming back for a bride that is without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, or any such thing. He is looking for a spotless Right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us this morning. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before You. I pray that You would be with us during this time together. I pray that You would help us to learn from Your Word, to apply it to our hearts and lives. Lord, that we might see You, that we might be challenged to live a life pleasing to You and to walk in obedience to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me this morning to the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to be reading from a familiar passage of Scripture. We're actually going to pick up in the middle of the story. And uh, uh, there will be some points that we go back and, and to uh, prior to where we're going to start reading and, and pull out a few things uh, from before that. But we want to start reading at verse 27. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 27, the Bible says, And upon this came His disciples and marveled that He talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, 
that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. In our text this morning, we are familiar with the, the preceding verses uh, just before where we picked up this morning, and, and it is a, a portion that we often uh, refer to when we talk about worship. Because it is in this chapter that Jesus says He must needs go through Samaria. He goes through Samaria and there at a well He meets a woman of ill repute. And He asks her to give Him a drink and begins a conversation with Him. Or, or with her. And uh, uh, she asks Him, says, are we to worship as the Samaritans say here in Mount Gerizim or are we to worship as the Jews say in Jerusalem? And Jesus responds and says, there's coming a time and the time now is that men, that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And a lot of times we focus on when we talk about worship, we talk about the fact that we are to worship God, and this is an important part of our worship, that we are to worship God both in spirit and in truth. However, this morning I want us to pick up a little later in the story, and I want to bring out another important part of our worship. Because after Jesus dealt with the Samaritan woman, her life was changed in an instant. Uh, and, and she received the living water and immediately she runs into Samaria and tells them, come see a man that told me all that I have done. Come see a man. Jesus, when He was leaving this earth um, the, uh, just before He ascended, gave His disciples what we call the Great Commission and told them to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. A lot of times when we talk about worship, we talk about our praise and our lifting our voices and our, our acclamation to Jesus Christ uh, oftentimes that takes place in the church service. We may include our devotional life. But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Our service, not only the things that we say, but the things that we do are part of our worship. And as part of our worship, it is evangelizing the world. It is telling the world, it is telling the lost and dying about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I have titled today's lesson, Go Worship. Go Worship. 
when we go, when we take the message of the gospel, when we follow the Great Commission, when we walk in obedience to the command of Christ to spread the gospel to the world, it is an act of worship. And so Jesus told us to go, and we are to be obedient to the call to go into all the world and preach the gospel. As we go into all the world, as we take the gospel, there are some things that we notice. First of all, we notice the testimony of the Samaritan woman as she took the testimony of what the Lord had done to her or for her to the others. The first thing that had to take place before she could go and share the gospel with other people is she had to come to a realization of who Jesus was. There are a lot of people who are familiar with the name of Jesus Christ. There are even a lot of people who have been raised on, uh, in church and have heard the stories of Jesus Christ throughout their life who have never fully come to a realization of who Jesus is. Before I can tell others about Jesus Christ, I myself must know Jesus Christ. Before I can share about Jesus Christ, I must know Him in an intimate way and I must come to a realization of who He is. Jesus asked His disciples, Who do men say that I am? Matthew chapter 16, some said you're Elijah, some said you're one of the prophets, and some said you're Jeremiah, some said uh, you're John the Baptist. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And in verse 17, Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. If we are going to understand who Jesus is, there needs to be a revelation from God the Father. We need the Holy Ghost to reveal to us Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 said, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If a person, if an individual is going to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then it is something that is spiritually discerned. It is revealed to them by the Father and God has commanded us to go, but all of our arguments, all of our testimonies in and of ourselves will never accomplish the salvation of one soul without the Spirit of God. That is why Jesus told His disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. He said, wait for the endowment of power and then go into all the world because the Holy Ghost is going to give you the power to preach the Gospel to Jerusalem, to Samaria, 
to Judea and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world. That is one of the reasons that we need to be full of the Spirit is because in our flesh we cannot accomplish the work of God. And far too often we want to put everything into our preparation and we want to prepare ourselves and we want to know the Word of God. And it is important that we know the Word of God. It is important that we have a testimony of what God has done in our own life. But we cannot touch the spirit of man by ourselves. Our carnal nature cannot touch the spirit of another individual. We must have the Holy Ghost working in our lives if we are going to reach the world for Jesus Christ. The Samaritan woman came to a realization of who Jesus is. And when she realized who Jesus was, she became a new creature in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15 says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus there is new, uh, neither... For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. When we come to Jesus Christ, we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus. Why do we point out the fact that we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus? Because we take on a new nature. And when we take on that new nature of Jesus Christ, you know what part of that nat new nature is? When we are born again, part of that new nature is a desire to tell others about Jesus Christ. There is a desire. The Samaritan woman didn't have to be told by Jesus after that He had touched her life and after He had talked to her. He didn't have to tell her, now, now, now that you're a Christian, it's important for you to go out and tell others what God has done for you. He didn't tell her that. She immediately took off and went saying, come and see a man. A lot of times, you know what happens as a new convert? Somebody comes to the altar and gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ. What do they do as soon as they go out of here? They, don't, they may not know all the Scriptures. They may not be able to explain the Romans' road. They may not be able to go through the book of Isaiah and, and, and tell people about Jesus Christ. They may not be able to expound the Scripture, but there is something they want to say. Come see a man that has told me all that I ever done. Come see what Jesus Christ has done for me. It's not until after time and the cares of this world begin to crowd in and the things of this world begin to clutter our mind and begin to choke that zeal that all of a sudden we think, ooh, maybe everybody doesn't want to hear. But the new convert, when that new nature comes in them, you know, I, I was amazed here uh, just a day or two ago. I, I realized 
in, in, in talking to people at, at work and different things, I got to notice just how often church and Jesus and stuff like that would just creep into the... I, I wasn't setting out to, to witness to them. I wasn't setting out to... It was just who I am. It was just part of my nature. If I'm talking about what I'm doing... You, it's not going to be very long till I'm going to be saying something about having read the Bible that day or prayed or, or, or uh, 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 something like that or going to church or, or you know, it's just, it's just who we are as Christians. It works its way into the conversation. Not that you're intentionally trying uh, to, to uh, go out and win them, but it's part of our nature, part of who we are because we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And then Jesus told the Samaritan woman when she asked about the drink and when He began to tell, He told her that there would be wells of water springing up within her. That there would be wells of water that would spring up within her. It would flow out from her. Once we come to Jesus Christ and we are made a new creature in Christ Jesus, the Holy Ghost begins to spring up within inside of us and well up within inside of us and it begins to flow out from us. And not only is our own thirst quenched, but that living water that springs from within as Jesus Christ lives in our heart begins to flow out. It begins to emanate from us to other people and touch the lives of those around us. We note the testimony of the Samaritan woman. But Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, tells His disciples some things about witnessing that we often overlook. We're often critical of the disciples in, in, in this passage of Scripture because they had gone in to buy food and, and, and uh, they come back and they seem oblivious to what's going on. But Jesus talks to them about being workers together. And He begins to talk to the disciples about reaching out. First of all, they bring back food. And Jesus tells him, there is something that is more to be desired than food. We need to get to a place. So often... So often when we think of fasting and prayer and stuff, we think of fasting in the terms of, of almost of the idea of we think if we fast and we do without food, it's going to show to God how serious we are and somehow by doing that, we're going to kind of twist God's arm to give us our way. Really, the purpose of fasting is not for us to get God to do what we want. It's to crucify the flesh and tell the flesh, hey, we need to find out what He wants. And if we want to know what He wants, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God is, if God is not willing that any should perish, if He is, if he is desiring for 
uh, all to come to repentance, then that is God's will for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they not perish. And so as we begin to share with others the gospel, Jesus became so involved in his sharing that food became unimportant to him. And we need to get to the point that in our fasting, it's not just, oh, I'm going to set aside this time. But we come, become so consumed with our desire to win the loss that some of these things, whether, whether it be uh, just food or other things in this life, they become secondary, importance. They become of insignificance in our burden and our yearning to win the lost. For Jesus Christ. Job said in chapter 23, Neither have I gone back from the command of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. We are to have a desire for the lost. Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 10, Jesus told His disciples not to rejoice because the devils are subject to them. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know, a lot of times we are so focused on we want to see miracles in our day that we're not rejoicing and desiring and craving the salvation of souls. It is more important for us to desire to see souls saved and to rejoice over souls saved than it is over someone who is healed in their body. And sometimes we have got that backward. We have failed to see the miraculous nature of a soul that comes to the Lord. Luke chapter 15, the Bible tells us in verse 7 that there's rejoicing over one that comes to repentance more than there is of 99 that need no repentance. And yet, so much of the time as a church, we want to come together and rejoice and have a good time and forget about reaching out to those who are lost and dying without the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of Him that, of him that sent me. He told His disciples, He said, but look, the harvest is ripe. The fields are ripe unto harvest. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus saith unto His disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that He will send forth laborers into His vineyard. First of all, the harvest is ripe. A lot of times 
we look around and we see the sin and degradation that's going on in our world today. And we complain about the things that are going on in our nation and the things that are going on. And we fail to realize that there is a harvest that is ready to be reaped. There is a harvest that is there. He goes on to say, not only is the harvest ripe, he says, it is ready, but the harvest is going to spoil in the fields because the laborers are few. There are not enough workers in the vineyard to go out and, and glean the grapes. There is not enough workers in the field to cut the sheaves of wheat that are ready to be harvested. And if it is not harvested, it is going to go to waste. The laborers are few. We need more workers in the harvest field. We need more people to be challenged to go into the field. Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, Therefore said He unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of a harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. He tells us that we are to pray for workers. How many times Is our prayer life consistent of Lord bless this person, bless that person, bless me, bless what I'm doing, bless this, bless that, heal so and so. But the Bible says that we are to pray for workers we need to pray that in Bethel Chapel, some of the young people that are being raised up, God is going to send them forth into the harvest to win souls for Jesus Christ. That does not mean that we pray necessarily for them to become professional preachers. That does not mean that God necessarily, if God chooses to, send some of them to the mission field or the foreign field, that's great. But we need soul workers. We need people that God sends to West Granite to win them for Jesus Christ. We need people that will get a burden for this community to win them for Jesus Christ. We need people... You know, sometimes there are some people that we pray for and we talk to and we deal with, but we can't always reach them for whatever reason or another. And sometimes there are times that we need to pray, Lord, put someone in their path that can talk to them. There are times that we have acquaintances or friends or family members that are at a distance from us and we, can't, we don't have opportunities for long conversations and to deal with them in the way. And, and so we need to pray for them that God would put somebody in their path that can deal with them. I was praying about a particular person not long ago that I uh, am acquainted with and that I had been uh, uh, talking to about some things and, and, and dealing with, but, but uh, am not in close proximity to them. Uh, uh, geographically, I am uh, uh, just 
far away from them, so not able to be in constant contact with them. But I was praying about them and about their need and about their soul. And I said, God, put someone in their path that knows how to talk to them about You in a right way that will not drive them away from You, but that will give them a desire to give their heart and life to You. Place someone. Place a worker in their path. Put someone in their way to reap the harvest. We need to pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. And then, not only is the harvest ready, but we are workers together. Jesus goes on to talk about to His disciples in the text that we read this morning that everyone can can enjoy the reward of the reaping. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-9 through that, that one waters, one sows, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. But you know what? When the reaping is done, we all can rejoice when the crop's brought in. The person who sows gets to enjoy the benefits of that which is reaped the same as the person that reaps. They get to enjoy the benefits together. And so we are workers together in the harvest field. Sometimes we like to, you know, if we're not careful, we like to, hey, you know, so-and-so came to the Lord because of my witness. I've, I've heard people get up and testify and talk about how, did you know, most people that come to the Lord don't do it but the first time they hear. A lot of times there's been a lot of contact through the years. And a lot of times when a person comes to the Lord, the person that brings them to the Lord is not, may not even be the person that's been praying for them for years. It may not be the person who has talked to them for years. A lot of times there's been some Godly people placed in their life along the way and each one contributing to that call to salvation. We are laborers together. And then we find the Samaritan woman gave testimony to those of what God had done for her. There was testimony given by the disciples, though we often overlook it and we often downplay their part in the, the conversion of the Samaritan woman and what happened in Samaria on this particular instance. Yet the disciples were laborers together. And then we have the testimony of the Savior. First of all, the Samaritan woman went 
to the Samaritans and she began to tell of her experience. The experience she had with Jesus Christ. We tell others about what Christ has done for us. How He has changed our life. We may even tell the experience of other people. We give personal testimony of what God has done for us to introduce people to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The people begin to come to see this man that the Samaritan woman told them of. They come to tell. You know, it's amazing. She goes out and she brings the whole city to come to Jesus Christ and all we ever call her is the woman by the well or the Samaritan woman. We don't even know what her name was. You know, we get it mixed up today. Boy, if we had that kind of evangelistic campaign, we'd definitely make sure our name was in lights. But she goes out and she tells them what the Lord has done. And they all come running to Jesus Christ. And they come out to, to hear Him. And as they come to Him, they begin to listen to the words of God. It's not enough simply to tell about our experience, but we must use the words of God. We must use the words of Christ. Yes! What God has done for me, my personal testimony is great, but at some point I've got to move on from my personal testimony and share the words of life from the Word of God. At some point, we've got to do more than just tell of our experience, and we've got to tie that experience to the Word of God because it is the Word of God that is truth. It is only in the Word of God that we find truth. Personal experience can be misleading. So we must point them to the Word of life. And once they have been pointed to the Word of life, they said, now we believe. Not because you told us, but now we have experienced it for ourselves. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. And we want to invite people to taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. God, I pray that we would apply it to our hearts and lives today. Give us a desire to reach out to the lost and tell them about You. To let them know that there is a Savior who can redeem us from our sin, that can save us from our sins, that can make us a new creature, Christ Jesus. It's in His name we pray. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.